0: Welcome back to part two of our chat with Simon Baume. Today, we're gonna be talking about UFOs and aliens. So what are your personal beliefs on UFOs aliens? what are they? who are they?
1: Well, it's fascinating i I um I always try and remain skeptical and just not believe anything and over the time you hear stuff and like maybe in the nineties I would have heard things and thought, oh, this is just going too far. this is ridiculous But then here I am in twenty three and I'm looking back on those things thinking actually there's there's so much evidence for this stuff that It's not so ridiculous anymore. And even with, um, sorry, you know, they had the congressional hearing recently where the the guys from the Pentagon's talking about crashed craft and alien bodies, and they've got this stuff stored away. And there's this guy, Bob Lazar, in the 90s, who said he was working in Nevada. And he was the first person, I think, to name this place area 51 it's him that said that's the place i was working at where he was taken to a ufo and he said the first time he saw it he thought oh man they're all ours all this stuff about aliens is nonsense it's us that's building them it's just a cover but when he got inside it it was far too cramped and small for humans and the seats were too small and the technology was so far beyond our technology that had a gravity generator and it worked on this tiny um, antimatter generator, stuff that's way beyond what we've got. And so over the years, I've read so many books and learned so much stuff about it. And I've also seen UFOs myself. I had a sighting where I saw a craft that was shaped like a rugby ball and it was just maybe 25, 30 feet off the ground 200 feet from me it didn't move an inch the whole time it's covered in lights and it was completely silent you know when when you see these things you go through a kind of mental checklist and you think well it's not a helicopter it's not an airplane it's not a hot air balloon and you you come to this conclusion well if it's none of those things it's got to be something very strange and uh, also that this this phrase of high strangeness with ufos which really fascinates me and so alien abductions and there's some people there's like uh, i don't know if you know professor john mack he was professor of psychiatry at harvard medical school and somebody came to him a colleague and said can you talk to this woman she's claims she's been abducted by aliens and he thought okay, I'll talk to her, you know, I'm a psychiatrist. And he thought after he talked to her, he says, well, she's not crazy. And I'm a psychiatrist. I I know crazy. She's not confabulating. Do you know what confabulating is? It's it's when somebody says something they believe is true, but isn't true. And he said, there's no sign of psychosis, no sign of uh, being a fantasy sort of uh, person who just makes crazy stuff up. And so after he worked with maybe 130 people who claimed to be abducted by aliens, he, he was completely converted on it. And, you know, somebody with those credentials, if you're a professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, you've got to be a damn good psychiatrist. And he was saying something external to these people is interacting with them. And, you know, people have physical marks on their bodies. They wake up with bruises. They wake up with their pajamas on inside out. They wake up outside in the back garden at three o'clock in the morning and they're locked outside the house. I hear these things over and over, all these little signs. And it's, it's weird in a way because, you know, the, people are seeing UFOs, but it seems like their technology is so good. They could hide if they wanted to. So if you see one, then they want to be seen. And it's almost like it's a real slow introduction to it over decades, maybe hundreds of years where they're showing themselves. And it's like that thing of somebody waking up with their pajamas on inside out or in the garden. Are these ETs really that incompetent that they would let that happen? Or is it done on purpose? Going back to
0: what you were saying about UFOs gaining popularity in mainstream media, why do you think this is? Because I've seen it as well. I'm sure everyone else, most people kind of that has a mild interest into this subject, well, um, would have seen it kind of everywhere. And, you know, it only makes me think, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, of something that we all heard 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and that's Project Bluebeam.
1: Yeah, there's um, there's different ideas, isn't there? It might be a soft disclosure, you might call it, but there's so much of it in the media that eventually if, you know, that classic idea of the president comes out and says, UFOs are real, we have contact with aliens. Most people will say, yeah, so what else is new? But there's also that idea that um, there'll be what they call the false flag where they have technology that can look like it's from aliens And it'll be a fake invasion so they can manipulate the people and say, we need all this money to build all our military stuff up. We need to take start martial law and take more control of the population. You know, all that conspiracy theory stuff. And it just goes on and on, all these different ideas. And I I tend to avoid that kind of conspiracy theory thing and just – uh try and find my own way through it and it's it's uh it's difficult sometimes but i try and avoid the real negative stuff where i don't find any evidence for it
2: that definitely is a a good way of trying to keep sort of level-headed because um there's so many things that can try and sort of derail you um you know into believing something else i mean i personally i have seen I suppose I can only call it um, a UFO. I mean, I'd, I haven't really told anyone about it because, you know, people just sort of like, you know, just if anything, you talk about ghosts, you know, someone might have a story, but when you start talking about UFOs or something like that, they just think you're, you're nuts. But back in uh, 2008, in December, um, it would have been New Year's Eve. I was at a friend's um, house party. Bear in mind, I had been drinking. And, but I wasn't drunk to the point where the room's spinning or anything like that. So, New Year's come and gone. It must have just gone. Uh, must have been about one in the morning. So I decided to walk home. And it was a particularly cold uh, night that night. And I had to walk up this big hill to go towards my uh, to my house. And I'm, I'm walking up this hill, and I'm getting uh, out of breath um, because of you know having a few drinks and and the cold air hitting the back of my throat and I got about halfway up and I stopped and I was sort of like you know panting a bit and I I looked up into this into the night sky and I saw a really bright star and I just just remember looking at it thinking that's really bright that's really bright And, and then it started to move and it was um it was just going one way and then it turned back on itself. It wasn't going super fast, but just the way that it was moving, it seemed really sort of like surreal. And then it started to sort of rise. And then all of a sudden, it went really, really bright and then dim. And I was just in astonishment. And I was like, did I just see something leave our atmosphere? It it very, like in the whole like Star Wars, where they go into like, um, you know, warp speed or something, And it, you know, you get a really bright uh, flash and it goes to a dim point and it's gone. That's what it was like. And uh, I was absolutely sort of uh, amazed by it and, you know, not seen anything since. um, Although I'm always looking up into the sky. Yeah.
0: I've actually had a similar experience with uh, one of our old friends who was actually in our last band, um, the old guitarist. And um, we were just playing ukulele around the back of my house. There's some fields. And we could just see this just like energy ball in the sky. And it's just so strange. You could just see this like this kind of translucent, but it was just this energy ball. You're kind of just like pulsing like a it's like a you could just kind of just see ripples coming out of it, just you know, way up high, just over at the end of the field. And um we we both just were like, that's so weird. And as we started walking home, we just like, let's just both keep our eyes on it. Don't take our eyes off it. And, you know, if we see through do anything, if anything changes, you know, we can both agree. We can both confer and say we both saw that kind of thing. Um, see, so yeah, as we're walking back, and five, 10 minutes later, all of a sudden, it literally did exactly what you said, Nigel. It just kind of just went, and you can see the energy kind yeah. of, it just shot off and it was gone. You could just see the light gone. And I had another experience, completely different. I've got this one on video. So if you're interested and want to see it, I'd be more than happy to send it over. Um, but yeah, same field. And I was walking my dog one day, just me. And I uh, just see, I have no idea what it was. There's some dishes, uh, it's like satellite dishes, right over in the distance. And just, just above it, just on the horizon, there's just this really bright light. And it scared me to be honest. I was like, whoa, that's freaky. And I was on my own. And um, yeah, it was just kind of hovering. And as it was going, it's like flares kept coming out of the bottom of it. I've got the video, so I'll be happy to send it to you if
1: you want to see it. (laughs) Yeah, it's fascinating. It makes me wonder what's going on there. Because like I was saying, they seem to be able to uh, move around without having lights on. And if you see something like you saw something in the night sky, why would it light itself up if it doesn't need to? Is it because it is trying to show itself? And I sometimes wonder if people are on a, a kind of a path. Um, I don't know what what you like, a spiritual path or a paranormal path or something. And every now and then you get little nudges, something slightly paranormal happens and it moves you another step along the pathway. Because, you know, you guys are doing this podcast and it's about ghosts, but. Why are you doing it? Because you have a fascination. Is there? Have you seen ghosts? And you know, you you want to talk about it?
2: Exactly that. I've I've got experiences with um paranormal, um as well as Jamie has as well. And that's how we started our podcast. Because one night we was um we're over at, uh, Jamie's house with our partners. We're having dinner, and then we were, I can't remember how we got into the subject of talking about ghosts, but we started talking about ghosts, and then. Jamie started telling me some of the things he experienced when he was a kid, and then I was telling him some of the things I experienced as a kid and growing up. And then, uh, yeah, the ne- the next day, you messaged me and asked me if uh, I wanted to do a, a podcast. I haven't, I haven't a clue what I'm doing. Um, we actually put our 20th episode today, um,
0: and uh, yeah, but it's you know slowly, I'm sure, over time, as you've experienced, you kind of get into the flow of it, and things kind of uh, get a little bit easier and you get a bit more comfortable kind of talking to strangers and
1: so i i talked to people who've seen ghosts and had weird experiences and you know that there was a woman called elizabeth kubler ross i don't know if you've heard of her she's uh she was prominent psychologist and she was in the states and she came up with this uh thing this is just just on the side you know they say there are six stages of grief and you go through these six stages She's the person that developed that and came up with it. But she was working with people who were grieving and she got to a point where she felt she just couldn't do it anymore. And she wanted to change her path. And she was walking down the hall in the college where she worked. And there was a woman there who started talking to her and went with her into her office. And she knew this woman, but she was like, this woman died two years ago. And here she is. And she didn't like a like a ghost drawing. She wasn't transparent. But basically, this woman was saying to her, you have to keep working on what you're doing with the grief and helping people learn about death and the psychological stuff you're doing because it really helps people. And Elizabeth Kubler-Ross asked her to write a note for her on this bit of paper on her desk. And this they, she wrote a note for her. And then she left and walked out the office. And Elizabeth Kubler-Ross followed her open the door, and the woman's not in the hallway. And there's no way she could have gone somewhere else. And this Elizabeth kubler like I said, she she was prominent and came up with this psychological process that is used worldwide. So she's famous on that side. And I talked to another guy the other day. He was with somebody called John Keel, who wrote a book called The Mothman Prophecies, and they were at, um, I think they were at a hotel. And he went to see John Keel and he got into the hotel. And John Keel was there with his friend Joe. And he met Joe and shook his hand. And John Keel went off and had dinner with Joe. And John Keel, a couple of weeks, a couple of years later, bumped into Joe's wife and said, Oh, I had a great dinner with Joe a couple of years ago. And she said, Joe died five years ago. I was at his funeral don't don't mess me about don't start joking about this stuff and so the guy I talked to and John Kill both met Joe and the guy I talked to shook his hand and it was like Joe was just a normal person so you know weird stuff happens and talking to the people that I talked to they don't seem crazy or they're hoaxing it it it, it seems like genuine stories they they're telling these things that really happen We're supposed to be talking about UFOs, though, aren't
0: we? (laughs) Well, you know, the title of our uh, podcast is called Your Ghost Stories. We talk about kind of anything on here in the paranormal field. But while we're on the topic of ghosts, we can only wonder, do you have any uh, ghost or paranormal spiritual experiences yourself?
1: Um, Well, I had a a weird experience with feathers and... um... I I've interviewed so many people over the years and occasionally people would mention angels. And to me, that was like, Oh man, that's going too far because I'm not religious. I, I didn't grow up in a religious family. We weren't like aggressive atheists or anything. We just didn't really talk about religion. It just wasn't a thing. And so when this lady was talking about angels and she was saying, Oh yeah, when angels are around, you'll see a white feather. And the next day I was walking down the street and this white feather just floated out the sky right in front of me. And it just reminded me of what she said. And I was thinking it was a coincidence. And she had co-authored this book with a medium called Claire Broad. And Claire's, I think she's got three books out now. She's a fantastic medium. And she's booked up like 18 months in advance. And um, I was saying to her, oh, I, I talked to you know our friend and she was talking about this feather and and Claire's like, yeah, yeah, it's a sign of angels. And I was like, Yeah, but really, what are angels? Because I, I just imagine somebody in a white robe with big white wings holding a harp. And she's like, No, 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 that's that's not what it is. Angels are like us. They're it's almost like we have a soul. We're spiritual beings. Angels are spiritual beings. They don't look like that, but they've never incarnated in a physical body. And they kind of have a different role in the spirit world. That's basically The idea of it. So I finished a call with Claire Broad. We were doing an episode. And I went to my daughter's bedroom. She was a teenager. And I went in, and in the middle of the floor on the carpet, there was a feather. And she's she's not a messy kid. And the carpet was quite clear. And she's at the side on the laptop playing a video game. And I said, Where did this feather come from? And she looked at it and looked at me as like, I don't know. And I think, bloody, what's going on? That's a bit weird. So I kind of moved on from there and didn't really think about it much. And I talked to Claire about seeing a medium that was local to me because Claire's quite far away. And she said, oh, you should talk to Kathy. She's close to you. And I rung this medium, Kathy, and she's a 20 minute drive away. So I drove up and I'm sitting on the armchair opposite her in her house and the carpet's very clean, you know, hoovered. And so for a whole hour, she did her mediumship. But the thing was, she didn't know who I was or that I had a podcast or that I knew Claire Broad or or anything like that. You know, when you book a medium, you give a false name and and they don't know anything about you. And she had some really accurate stuff, but she finished the mediumship and she was like, well, how did you get my name? And I was talking about Claire and the podcast and this thing about feathers And she says, look at the floor. And there was a feather on the floor in between us. Now, I'd been sitting opposite her a whole hour, and that feather wasn't there on the carpet. And we started talking about feathers, and then, pow, there's a feather on the floor. And I just can't work out where it came from. And it's like your brain does a a sudden full stop. You can't compute this. It's... um, it's a thing. I thought maybe it was stuck to my shoe and it fell off while we were talking, but that's a bit far-fetched. And it's the coincidence of it, the synchronicity. And so that, that was a kind of what you might call a spiritual thing, because I haven't seen any ghosts. But that was an experience that made me think something weird is going on here. And I almost imagine if there are angels and they were trying to send me a sign, you know, first of all, there's the feather in the street. I don't really take any notice. Then there's the feather on my daughter's floor. I don't take much notice. <laughs> I can't imagine them like in the spirit world going like this, man. What do we have to do to get through to this guy? <laughs> you know, it's it's um. It's, so that that came out when I've had a couple of things where psychic flashes, where I had a vision of something happening, and two weeks later it happened, and it was a a period of thirty seconds. So it wasn't like a deja vu and it's just the split second thing. It was 30 seconds. And it was my friend in New Zealand was getting married and I'd never been to New Zealand before. But two weeks before I went, I had this vision of being in her car with her and she was driving and she had this little red car and we're going through suburban Christchurch. And we're having this conversation. And then two weeks later, I was in New Zealand. We were in a little red car going through suburban Christchurch Having exactly that conversation, and everything I saw was exactly as I'd seen it. The road names, the the way Christchurch looks, because you know they they have earthquakes and they have to build their houses a certain way, and they were had these kind of wooden slats, and they had they were painted these pastel colours, and I'd never seen that before, and so th- that was a weird kind of psychic flash where I saw something of the future that was. Not dramatic. It's not like I had a premonition of a plane crash or something, or got the lottery numbers. And it was not like I had any control over it. So, those two, those are two things that have cropped up for me. Your ghost stories, your ghost stories. The thing with UFOs is that people are starting to notice there's a crossover between spirituality. And UFOs, and this this thing of people who say they encounter ETs, communi- they communicate by telepathy, you know, which is kind of ESP. And there's people who they say they've been abducted by aliens, and they've been so angry with them and shouting at these aliens, "You've got no right to do this to me!" And the ETs have replied, "But you agreed to this before you were born. This is part of the plan." Weird. Yeah. What do you think extraterrestrials
0: <clears throat> want from us?
1: Oh, that's so hard.
0: And out of all all the things you've listened to, uh, forming your own personal opinion, what would you say they are and what they want from us?
1: It's one of these things where the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. I I talked to a guy the other day called Preston Dennett, and he's written over 30 books on UFOs. And I asked him pretty much this question, and he said he's got no idea. And uh, there's a guy called Richard Dolan who's been doing this for decades. And he was uh, on the shortlist to be a Rhodes Scholar. I don't know if you know what that is. In the States, that's a huge deal. You don't get to be a Rhodes Scholar unless you're really hyper-intelligent. And um, it's almost like the president has to approve you. And he said this UFO thing. He he thought, you know what? I'll just take a look into it. Take me a week or so. I'll sort it all out. And here he is decades later. He hasn't sorted it out. But um, it also it seems like with the what you might say, what is the ET's agenda? What are they doing? I also look at it as like, you know, if somebody said, what's the human's agenda? And you say, well, Russia's agenda is different to the USA, which is different to North Korea, which is different to Syria. You know, all the humans, they got all different agendas. But what, what uh, seems to be going on is something very strange. And there's a phrase that says, it's not as strange as you can imagine, it's stranger than you can imagine. And, you know, there's this abduction thing. People talk about meeting children on board craft, and they're introduced to them and said, this is your child. But they look like a hybrid, cross between aliens and humans. And uh, there are women who claim to have been abducted by aliens, and they have a positive pregnancy test. And they go to the doctors and the doctors confirm pregnancy. And then three months later it's gone. And they go back to the doctor and they say, Oh, you must have had a miscarriage. And she's like, No, no miscarriage. I woke up in the morning, it's not there anymore. And sometimes doctors have said to women, you know, they examine them and they'll say, like, he'll say, Well, who did the work here? The surgery? And the woman's like, I've never had surgery. And and the doctors, yes, you have. I can see the evidence of it. And so There's those little bits of evidence. And there's a guy called Terry Lovelace. I've interviewed him a couple of times. He's uh, got these photos in his book. And he was an emergency medical technician in the US Air Force. And one little story at the beginning of his book is that he got called out to an accident and that they were stationed where the the nuclear silos were. And they went out to where this accident was. And there's this UFO just sitting there above one of the nuclear silos and the the uh nuclear weapon was switched off the the rocket that would l- deliver it just would just you know the power went and so but one thing he said was that uh he had an x-ray done on his leg, and there was something in in his leg and i've you can see the picture in his book, but it's kind of square, and there's these two long wires coming off it, and it's in his thigh and the the person that did the x-ray saw it and then examined his leg and left the room and came back with a doctor and the doctor examined his leg and looked at the x-ray and they're saying, there's no scar. Something that big got into your leg, but there's no evidence of your skin being messed with at all. There's no scarring. There should be. We've got no idea how this got in here. And so he wanted it removed and, um, Medical staff refused. He went to a couple of hospitals. Basically, they said, it's not causing any pain. It's not causing any problems. We don't do surgery unless we have to. It's the last resort. And so there's no problems there. We're not doing the surgery. And he found somebody in Mexico who who said, yeah, I'll remove it for you. So the morning he woke up for his trip to Mexico, he had these big bruises on his legs weird looking bruises. They would kind of look like flowers because there's little bruises in a circle and a big sharp mark in the middle of it. And he went and got X-rayed and that thing was gone from his leg. And because it was on both legs, he thinks he had it in both legs, you know? They it's like the ETs thought, bloody hell, they're gonna get the implant. We better get it back before he goes to Mexico. And he also has something in his uh, calf that's still there. And they say it looks like it's bone material, but it's in a flower pattern. And the doctor was saying, this is so bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. And the thing with Terry Lovelace, when he was in the U.S. Air Force, he had this extensive experience where he went camping and this UFO came down. So this, this is the stuff that fascinates me. And there's so many people who hear this and go, what a load of rubbish. But for me, it's like, oh, that's interesting. And then you hear another story that's just like it, and another one, and another one. And suddenly there's some consistency starts showing up, and all these different people who, you know, I doubt they're emailing each other or sending letters before email. And, you know, hey, when you meet that UFO investigator, make sure you tell him this and this and this, and like it's some conspiracy. But also um, one last thing I want to say with, with the UFOs and evidence I interviewed this guy called Daniel Coombe, who's a physicist, and uh, he worked at the Niels Bohr Institute in Germany. So that's real high-level stuff. And he wasn't really that interested in UFOs, but he saw the stuff that's coming up in the news, and he thought, I'll investigate this. And there was this case in – it was over Alaska. There was a Japanese Airlines flight going over Alaska, and it encountered a UFO. And the first of all, there were two small ones, and then there was this big one behind them. Now the aircraft radar picked up the UFO, the civilian air traffic control picked up the UFO, and the NORAD military radar picked up the UFO. And Daniel Kuhn was able to get hold of the radar traces, and he said he got 180 pages of information. And, you know, like being a physicist, he started analyzing the mathematics and everything that's in there. And he found this craft was close to the aircraft and then it jumped 70 nautical miles and then came back again. And it did this jump 11 times. And his calculation showed it moved 500 times the speed of sound and had an acceleration of 10,000 Gs. And the thing is that all three independent radars showed that. So it couldn't have been a radar glitch. And the crew saw that as well. And this was a Japanese Airlines cargo flight. So it was just pilot, co-pilot and navigator that was on board. And one of the things they said is when they looked out the window behind them and saw this UFO, they saw it silhouetted against the clouds. They estimated it was the size of an aircraft carrier. And that when it did those moves, there was no sonic boom. There seemed to be no disturbance in the air, even something that big and norad said we're going to send up two fighters to come and intercept this and the pilot on the Japan, japanese flight said no 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 don't do that he didn't want anybody to get hurt and they said do a 360 and it's on the radar trace of this plane doing this long slow 360 because it's only a, you know a civilian 747 or something and the ufo following it doing this 360 that that was in the 80s and uh the Japanese pilot talked about it. So it's, there's this stuff on YouTube. You can see the news reports and what have you. And uh, he lost his job, you know, and the Japanese airline said, we don't want anybody to think we've got crazy people flying our planes. But I think eventually he did get back in the eye, but it might have been 20 years later he started flying again.
2: It, it is sad when uh, people are penalised in in that way. But um, Quick question. Have you heard of uh, Dr. Stephen Greer?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I followed him for years because uh, he did some really good stuff uh, like 15, 20 years ago with a congressional hearing and disclosure and all that thing.
2: Yeah. I, uh, back in 2020 and 2021, um, I watched a few of his um, documentaries and he brought out this process. I think it's called C5, and it's a way of trying to encourage people to. Uh, the meditation. Yeah. Thing. Free meditation to try and make contact with uh, UFOs. I mean,. Um, it's very. I suppose it's very dangerous for uh, for the UFO to come, you know, to come to uh, Earth if they don't know what's uh, what's here in terms of like the US Air Force and they're <laughs> ready to shoot them down and try and get their technology. But uh, I found it absolutely fascinating, and I and I would love to try it, but um, I just don't know. It's only me and Jamie. I've tried it. Have you really?
0: Yeah, yeah. It was during lockdown when the documentary came out because I was really, really into meditating, yeah. and I was meditating about forty five minutes a day anyway. And I was like, oh, while I'm I'm in the Zen zone, I'll give it a go. And uh, yeah, so, but anyway, um, Simon, your passion for the subject of ufology shines through and you make it an even more fascinating subject to study. You know, you're really interesting to listen to. Where can our listeners find more about your UFO podcast and research?
1: Yeah, it's called the Alien UFO Podcast and so far there's I think there's 90 episodes each one is an hour-long interview with somebody who has some experience or a, there's a researcher and um, like I said I read the books before I interview the people so I try and get really good in-depth questions it's almost like I feel the people that hear, listen to the podcast they know this UFO stuff already so we don't need to just go the the surface detail that your average person might know or try and go into more depth. And that can be found, I think it's on 35 podcast apps. I just went bananas with it, trying to register everywhere. So it is on Spotify and Apple and Audible and Spreaker, you know, all sorts of places. Well,
0: what a wonderful pleasure it's been to have you on our show. And it's been a, yeah, really, really great to chat to you. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks for inviting me. It's been enjoyable. You're very welcome.
2: Thank you, Simon you <laughs>